Hi and welcome to episode 50. Can you believe that next week marks a year of podcasts, a year of being courageous and a year of generous guests, insightful interviewees, professionals, parents and gems. And for that birthday edition next week, I've got something a little bit different in store. But for this week, as I look back over the year and the many different topics that we've covered, I found myself thinking if there was one thing I could go back and tell myself as a young mum, if I could only share one podcast, one characteristic of parenting, what would it be? And it's not hard to answer. I know without thinking about it too much. It would be empathy. It's not intuitive. It's the one I've really had to learn, dig into, build on and grow in. Discipline, that kind of comes naturally, doesn't it? But empathy, listening without agenda to our children, listening without waiting to say my piece, listening and really understanding what the world looks like from their perspective before sharing mine. That's been something I've had to learn and I love what empathy does for a relationship. It's the softest, strongest parenting tool. It will make the most enduring difference to your relationship with your child. So I thought I'd pop it back in this week just in case any of you missed it and highlight how important it is. Enjoy and share it with a friend and celebrate with me nearly a whole year of podcasting. Now, you might have empathy totally nailed in your house, in which case this will just be a reminder. But for some, and it was certainly the case for us, it requires a whole switch of narrative. I'm talking about our choice of responses when our child has an issue that's bothering them. Think about what your natural responses might be to the following problems. I'm going to leave a little space after each question so you can immediately sort of respond in your mind what you would have said in that scenario. So first up, your four-year-old has spilt water all over his painting that he'd spent ages on and he's really cross. What would you say? Your eight-year-old wants to play on a screen but they've had all their screen time for that day. What would you say? Thirdly, someone's told your 10-year-old that they're ugly. Your 12-year-old can't find a particular top that they want to wear right now. In your view, it looks like all their other tops, but to them, they're cross. And I know we're in lockdown, so stretch your imagination for this next one and go right back to the good old days of March and before. Your 14-year-old has left his phone on the bus. And lastly, your 17-year-old has been left out of a group activity and she's mortified. Did you get a chance to ponder your responses? Just in case you didn't, I've written some down that parents have said from some of my courses over time. To the four-year-old with the ruined painting, they've said things like, well, you can paint another, I'll help you. To the eight-year-old wanting more screen time, they suggested reiterating the screen time rules, encouraging them to do something else with their time and reassuring them that there'll be more time tomorrow. To the 10-year-old, I think you're beautiful. 
Or one idea was, well, what is beauty? We all see that differently. It's subjective. And another said, who said it? Are they so good looking? And to your 12-year-old, I'm sure your top will turn up. I'm sure there's another one that's just as good for today. And then one parent said, <laughs> if you put your things away, dot, dot, dot. And what about the 14-year-old who's left the phone on the bus? I always like using that example because we've been put to the test on it and it gets some great responses. Parents are very happy to admit they'd be as mad as a box of frogs and on the phone to the bus company pretty quickly. And the left out 17-year-old? Well, there were lots of encouraging words about what a brilliant friend they really are and how lucky people would be to have them as a friend and encouragement to concentrate on friends that do value them and not to worry about people who leave you out. So lots of great advice in there and I'm always so grateful that people are hearty in their responses. We usually have a really good laugh as we think through different ideas. And the thing is, all of those responses have their merit. Some are great ideas and some would certainly solve the problem on occasion. But the problem is, none of them are empathetic. They solve, they resolve, they reassure, they console, they lecture, or they might even moralise. But basically, they're a move straight back to solutions. And the messy, sometimes complicated, sometimes unreasonable, but always heartfelt feelings are simply swept off the table. Let's put the boot on the other foot for a moment. Let's think of a few scenarios that might be relevant to us and use those same responses. Let's say you lost your job and your friend Susan said, oh, I'm sure there's another one that's just as good. Or your holiday was cancelled and your friend Susan said, well, there'll be another one next year and so on. I suspect you'd pretty quickly write Susan off as someone to share your concerns with. She just doesn't get you. And as you might know, the heart of this podcast is connection. Every interaction we have with our children builds up a story for them. It builds up a picture of whether or not they can trust us with their heart. If you want your children to share their troubles with you both now and in the future, if you want to be invited into their difficult spaces and to be an influence in their lives, because after all, their best interests will always be your priority. They need to feel safe. I work with a teen counsellor and the words she hears every day are these. I can't tell my mum, I just couldn't tell my dad. If kids are living in a home where they feel that if they share, they'll get solved or minimised, lectured or even chastised when they share their feelings will simply result in them not wanting to share their feelings. So empathy is key if we want our children to trust us with their problems now and as they get older, as the stakes go up, as they go on into adulthood. And what they need to know is that their feelings are valid. I mean, it may be that you wouldn't feel like they do in that scenario. It may be that with one swift move, you could actually solve the whole thing. But if we want our children to trust us with their hearts, we need to ensure that our narrative is empathy every time. I'm sorry that happened. That must be so difficult for you. You spent ages painting that. Ugly is a cruel word that must have really hurt your feelings. Oh, you love that top. I bet that's really annoying. Your phone on the bus? Oh dear, I bet that's really frustrating. We'll come back to that one.
Your friends all gathered without you? That's so hurtful. But, I hear you say, those answers don't solve anything. The phone is still missing, and the top. The painting is still a mess. They still feel ugly, and they still feel rejected by their friends. True. But with empathy, we're building a relationship, not a quick solve. We're sending them the message every day that their feelings are totally valid. We want to be sure that they never feel ashamed of their feelings and that we really care how hard this has hit them. But also, by avoiding the solve and resolve and restore options, we're saying to them, I trust you. I trust you to have some ideas of your own about this. I think you can handle this. And over time, they will feel safe to come to you about just about anything, because they know that you won't just leap in and have your say. You'll sit next to them in their muddle. You'll listen to their feelings. You'll understand their experiences and you'll validate their emotions. And I know that some parents worry that their children will get stuck in their emotions if they go the empathy route with them. They'll just wallow in their pain. They won't move on. This actually doesn't prove to be the case at all. And I've worked with so many parents on this. When empathy is sincere, children are more likely to move on. It's not a place to make camp. It's just your first response. Think of it as an emergency response, like an ambulance. I was at the scene of an accident a few years ago when a 91-year-old woman just about avoided crashing into our car that was driven by my learner-driving 18-year-old at the time. Instead, she managed to swerve, she banked up another car and we witnessed the most extraordinary sight of her car flying through the air and landing on its roof. I sat with that poor frightened woman as we waited for the ambulance together. What do you think their first words to her were? They were tender. They were empathetic. They wanted to know what she was feeling. And in time she had to move and her driving was reassessed and insurances were involved. But none of that was relevant in the first response. And so it is with our children. Whether they scrape an E at three or lose a friend at 13, we can be tender and empathetic and understand what they're feeling. It means that they'll learn to trust us with their heart. They won't get stuck and never move to solutions. In fact, their creativity is immense. Empathy will calm their amygdala and enable their frontal lobe to respond. I don't know if you've had a chance yet to go to my Instagram account where there's a little three minute piece on the frontal lobe versus the amygdala and it gives you a neuroscience insight as to what happens in those moments when a problem just feels so big to a child. It's really helpful. Do go and have a little listen. If Susan had put an arm around you and said, that's really tough news, I'm so sorry, it wouldn't bring your holiday back or your job but it would help you to process your loss, your pain, the hardship. Unresolved pain banks up. Children and tweens and teens who have banked up unresolved issues are quick to get angry because they've got a bucket load of it stored up from lots of little issues from each day that they weren't understood at the time. Little moments where we said, oh, you're fine, it'll be fine, it will pass, it's nothing. 
I've had great feedback from parents who have changed their narrative across to empathy. And their children do solve. They don't get stuck in a pit of despair. And actually, they're more empathetic to others in the family. They share things that even surprise their parents in terms of how vulnerable they're prepared to be. I know for us it took a while to switch across, and we still fail at times, but the fruit is so worth the wait. And when we come to talk about consequences, one of the most misused and misunderstood of parenting tools will have laid a proper foundation of empathy, and that leaves our children far more ready to hear our instruction. And as for us as parents, it's empowering. So many of the daily issues aren't actually solvable with one swish of the magic wand. I think that's often why we want to leap over the issues, swipe them off the table, move on, because we don't have the magic solution. We want to get them from a place of despair to a place of feeling better. So we solve or resolve or we distract or give them a little lecture because we can't unwater the painting. We can't make their friends be inclusive. But actually, we don't have to be afraid of their pain if we have an answer. And the answer is empathy. It's empowering. So you want to know what happened to the 14-year-old on the phone on the bus? <laughs> well, we'd pretty much hardwired by then the empathetic response. But I often hear intuitive responses going on in my head whilst out of my mouth is coming an empathetic response. What? Do you know how much that cost? Well, you clearly can't be trusted with the phone. But I do try to practice what I preach. So I said, oh no, that's so frustrating for you. And he knew by then, because we had history of it, that he could tell me and he could be sure that I wouldn't freak out because lots of tiny little moments had built up his story. And as I say, I'm not always perfect, but they're pretty confident that they can know they won't get a freak out answer from us. I've called the bus company, he said, and sure enough, he had. And I've activated Find My Phone on a friend's phone. And sure enough, he did. If our first response to our children's hearts, no matter what age they are, is empathy, we will empower them and release them to think for themselves. It's not easy, and I grant you it's not intuitive either. It's more time-consuming even, but it's so worth it. Consequences are great. Boundaries are essential. But empathy is the most powerful tool for connection. A couple of months after we'd finished that particular course, I went and tracked down one of the guests, Rose, who you might have met on a previous podcast. The principles I'm talking about here work for all age groups, but Rose has a four-year-old and a toddler, so I went to ask her, how's empathy working out in your house? I've always liked to think that I'm an empathetic person, but I, sometimes I feel like maybe it doesn't come across because with children, because I try to jolly, you try and jolly them along. Mm. So... Okay, we don't, need to, we don't need to worry about that now. We'll just carry on. We'll just do the next thing because you don't want to let them get upset. So yes. it kind of made me realise that actually I needed to give him more time to feel the way he was feeling. So yes. I can see you're feeling really sad. You know, do you want to talk about that? Or, you know, or are you okay? Do you need to cuddle? Do you need this? And mm -hmm. actually just, you know, accept that that's how he's feeling and let him accept that that's how he's feeling more right. often, which yeah. has definitely also helped. And he's also been quicker to say how he feels. Match, and even if he's shouting, I'm really cross right now. And I'm like, oh, good. I'm really glad you could tell me that you're feeling cross. Mm -hmm. What do you think we need to 
do? Do you need to take a minute? Or are you okay to carry on? Kind of thing. And it seems to that, again, has given him sort of the next... Self-solving. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And when you first use the empathetic language, I mean, I get, I totally hear you. You're an empathetic person anyway. But as you say with children... What we actually try to do is try to get all the upset off the table as quickly yeah. as we can. <laughs> yeah. And so when you switched across to using empathetic language, were you worried that, oh my goodness, I've got to engage with this um, sadness. It's going to go on and on. It's just not going to end. Yeah, I was worried about that. And I was worried that also was I then, was he just going to, you know, carry on telling me every single thing that he was sad about. So it was just going to continue. Well, I'm sad about this. And actually this happened and this happened and this happened. And it wasn't. He he was quite quick to identify what was making him sad. And then I was having to then stop myself trying to immediately resolve oh, what well he done. was sad about. Yeah. And say, yeah, you're right. That is really sad, darling. Mm. You know, that would make me sad too. And then moving from there and seeing if he wants to talk about it or if he was happy just to have said it and leave it there. So he's, um, yeah. yeah, it seems to have worked. That's so good, isn't it? I yeah. mean, interesting, I was having a chat today with my 22-year-old and he'd had a scenario. Oh, no, he's 21, pardon me. He'd had, <laughs> he'd had a scenario. And I said to him, you know, how are you feeling about that? And he said, I felt so much better after we talked about it. Now, that would be a natural thing for us, but I was interested just because I'm sort of, you yeah, know, yeah. on this topic at the moment to dig in a bit. And I said, what was it? And he, he did acknowledge that actually... When you tell somebody and they affirm your feelings, yeah. it feels okay to feel that way. And then it's like half the battle's gone. Yeah. Like, I'm okay. I'm okay to have these feelings. And I don't think we ever get to an age, do we, where we don't need a little bit of encouragement that our feelings are okay. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. And I think it's also it's opened me up to realizing that I need to say how I'm feeling sometimes, even if I don't need him to know how I'm feeling but just so that it creates that environment so yes, you know we've been walking back from a trip somewhere and I've gone do you know what I'm really tired today I feel really tired and he's gone yeah I feel tired too and you're like oh yeah okay but I've been trying to yeah put my mm. feelings out too so that it just becomes a normal part of our sort of family culture with him and do that... you find that you're teaching him an emotional language and expanding yes. some of yes, definitely. what sort of emotions are you sort of bringing into the into the mix I'm saying you know things that like oh if something's not working in the kitchen that's really frustrating then I'll ask what's frustrating what's frustrating I'm like frustrating you know it makes you feel a little bit cross and it makes you feel a little bit this because something's not working the way that you need it to Mm. oh okay and then he's you know trying out that language sometimes you can hear him playing with toys oh this is a bit frustrating (laughs) and you think yes okay he's clocked it he's got it so yeah it seems to yeah yeah they do they yeah they mirror everything so it's yeah and also, do you feel it makes him calmer knowing that you... Because I had a child who could read my face and mm-hmm. he knew that something was wrong. And yeah. I, I found that if I articulated how I was feeling, he was much calmer because it was on the table than yeah. sitting there thinking, have I done something wrong? Are you cross with me? Is this going to result in an early night? What's yeah. going on here? Yeah, Arthur will. I, Arthur can, is another one that can definitely read things. He'll say, are you, are you cross? And I'll say, yes, I actually, I am Arthur. I'm not cross at you. I'm cross because this mm-hmm. hasn't worked. My car hasn't started or I didn't put, you know, my shoes that I wanted to wear are dirty or whatever else. And I am feeling a bit cross about mm-hmm. that. And he, he is quick to think about how people are feeling now, definitely. And you've seen that change? Yeah, uh-huh. yeah, yeah. And I've also seen the change in, because I think he now feels that he's allowed to feel all of those things. That I was trying to, if he was feeling really cross and if he was really wound up, giving him a chance to 
have a minute somewhere, mm. which I modelled first, mm. of, Arthur, actually, I'm feeling really cross, so I'm going to go and take a minute in the kitchen. Uh, to which right. took a, lo- a while, yeah. because he would follow me. Uh-huh. Ah, and he's still going, and I'd say, I'm, I'm really sorry, I'm, I am taking a minute. And if, you know, if this continues, I might have to take two minutes, because actually, <laughs> the way you're talking to me now is still making me feel really cross and I'm finding it really difficult to have a conversation with you and that took a while of modeling that but now he'll say I'm really cross I need to take a minute and I'm like fine and he will and he'll take himself off and he'll take a minute and then he comes back and it seems that seems to have really helped too to let him have time to feel angry rather than saying no it's fine let's just Mm. continue like you said clearing the table of all of it you don't I don't need to do that with him now he yeah yeah, is allowed to feel all of his and it's a whole change yeah. of trajectory, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, you actually have to sort of stop and reverse, mm-hmm. don't you? Yeah, Instead and it takes a lot of... Yeah, it fine. takes practice. It takes practice. But, it, yeah, it, it seems worth it in our household, definitely. And then do you find that the grandparents are taking it on board? Yeah, my parents definitely. Really? Yeah, yeah. they definitely are. When they've had him, they've said that they've noticed a change in him or like, oh, yeah, Arthur said he was cross yesterday and he took himself off for a minute and he came back and he was <laughs> delightful. And I'm like, yeah, I know, it's definitely working, isn't it? And they're like, yeah, yeah, they can really see it in him. Oh, so so it's really nice. And then going back to when you're frustrated or you're cross or something's happened to you, yeah. have you noticed empathy in him? Yes. What does he say to you? He'll, he'll let me take a minute now. So if I say yeah. I'm taking a minute, I'm cross, he doesn't follow me. He doesn't wait. And then when I come back, he says, are you okay now? And I say, yeah, I am. Oh. I'm really, yeah. I'm and really does he okay. ever say, oh, yes, that would make me cross too or does he ever use the language yes. back on you <laughs> yeah yeah I, I, so I say I'm really I hungry it. and it's yeah I, I'm really hungry and he goes that make you feel a bit sad and I'm like <laughs> sometimes it does yeah so he does yeah he definitely does oh, that's so sometimes sweet. feel like I'm having a conversation with um an old man rather than a four-year-old yeah, boy yeah. isn't it? and yeah. of course you know they're so much quicker at it we have to relearn yeah and I suppose he's really only learning a little bit at, at four. But Ida, this is just going to be the culture she's born yeah, into. She's gonna, yeah, she's going to know it from the get-go, which is good. Arthur tries it with her and doesn't understand why she quite can't do it. He goes, right. Ida, you're using a really cross voice. Do you need to have a minute somewhere? <laughs> <laughs> and she's just staring and she's at just him. she's just staring at him, continuing to shout. But I think, well, at least, you know, she's hearing oh, the language from all of us. So. She is, and what she's hearing from him is <clears throat> tone. Yes, yeah. Not backlash. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, I think it'll do her. Good. It'll give her freedom. It She'll will grow up with yeah. That freedom. Yeah, which will be really nice. And do you find it's come into your relationship instead of feeling well? Tell me about that. Yeah, I think Ian isn't nat- naturally um, like an empathy person. He's a problem solver. Yes. So yes. he doesn't ask. He doesn't just you know give you credit for your feelings. He doesn't say, oh yeah, okay, I can see how that's making you sad. He immediately. Mm-hmm goes to well if you just do this mm. well if we just do this then it'd be fine and I'm like mm, mm. yeah I, I get what you're saying and then he's like that with the children as well oh it's okay get up we'll brush it off you'll be fine you'll be fine you'll be fine <laughs> and so you know I've had you had a lot of open conversations about actually sometimes when I'm mad or when I'm sad I just want you to sit and listen to what I'm sad about and say yeah actually you're right that is really rubbish that is really sad and then if I want your help I'll ask for it yeah. but actually sometimes I just want you to listen and he is getting much better at it. He's saying he's he's having to really think about doing it. Oh, good. Um, oh, well, that's but fantastic. But he is. Yeah. And it, we, yeah, I've definitely noticed it. He will just listen now. And with the children, again, he's, you know, learning to say to Arthur, instead of sort of entering into that argument with him, is to say, mm. okay, do you need a minute? Or is there a better time that we can talk? Should we talk about this later on? 
yeah and things like yeah. that so that he's got time to feel that way and then come and find Ian when he's ready to talk about it yeah opposed to when Ian's ready to go into it there and then it does seem to have helped and it yeah it definitely, definitely and that's always a good one isn't it particularly yeah. if it's busy or you've got friends around yeah just to say this is really important i can see that's really upset you but let, yeah yeah can Let's we talk come about back to this yeah. yeah yeah i hope you enjoyed meeting rose i was so encouraged by her experiences and the fruit of her change of narrative it's courageous thank you for listening if you've enjoyed it share it with a friend i love to hear your feedback I'm easy to find on Instagram as The Courageous Mama or by email at madelinestanny at iCloud.com. See you next week.